Welcome to Black Man in a White World, where we talk about me, a black man. In this crazy white world. Oh, we're going to get to that. See, I'm going to talk about arts and entertainment, but oh, we're going to touch on that too. Okay, go off. All right. Hey, everybody, this is Mike. And his white roommate, Grant. And today we're going to talk about team sports. With our guest and good friend, Kaylin Beach. Who knows a little bit about basketball. And a lot. About being a multiracial man. In this crazy white world. Oh my god, not that again. <laughs> uh, is the world still crazy? Yeah. Is it still white? Yeah. I rest my case. Alright. The work ahead of us. And I couldn't be prouder to be by his side running to represent you, the people. Thank you and may God bless the United States of America. Two words, Kamala Harris. Future president of the United States? Damn, we just, we were gonna just jump ahead? <laughs> okay, the thing is, I know that she's the vice president, obviously, but Joe Biden, he's an old man. Damn. He might not be around forever. It's true. And, you know, it could be 20, 30 years from now or 10 days, but yeah, she's pretty much set to like, I want her ready for a first female president and a black one at that. I could see two scenarios. I could see him stepping down and her taking over or him getting sick and being unable to lead and her taking over or, you know, cut to four I, years yeah. later. At the moment right now, I'm fine with both of them. Uh, I just, yeah, it's just definitely setting up. This is just so close. We're so close to changing the, the whole game for America because I don't know how long it takes to vote a woman to be president. God damn, why does it take so much deliberation? Yeah, because you gotta basically what, what conservatives are afraid of and what is like more or less happening is like... Just conservatives? Because Democrats didn't vote a woman as a president either. That's true, but yeah, my so point is... Yeah, come for just them. We, we got a Trojan horse here and Joe Biden. He's the old white man, right? And he's the front runner. And then whatever happens once they're established, then... He could step down. He could, you know, get coronavirus and deal. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just saying this oh could happen. God. And then, therefore, we have our first woman president by technicality. I mean, I would like for her to win by votes. I, I mean, if she wins by natural disaster, <laughs> that's 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 one way to go about it. But if she wins by just people wanting her and people selecting her, I'm down with that. That is a talking point, though, that, that Joe Biden is this, like, Trojan horse for all these, like, leftist, you know, progressive policies. And well, that's fine. Shit, do something with your whiteness. Shit, you ain't been doing nothing with your whiteness for the last four months. Your whole privilege has disappeared since coronavirus has came into play. Are you talking about me or Joe Biden? I'm talking I feel about tagged. you. Why would I be me? talking? Me? Yeah, you. I'm looking you dead in the eye. You're saying I haven't done anything. I mean, have you done? I mean, no. <laughs> every okay, now you know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, every now and then I, I want have... you to use your white privilege as a power, superpower for me to get ahead in life. And I'm just like, where are you at? My Joe Biden. You see my Joe Biden. Okay, so I'm Joe Biden and you're Kamala Harris. No, I'm Barack Obama and you're Joe Biden. Whoa. Okay, but then this who's Kamala Harris? Podcast, first of all. Should we, should, should we find a Kamala Harris? We should. Who do we know who could fit the the Kamala Harris? Wait a minute. Hold on. We have a roommate who has, I think he has the same ethnic background as Hold Kamala on. Harris. And, oh, there he is. What? Uh, it is, his name is Kalen Beach. Uh, he yeah, yeah. has been a roommate for like what? 25 years. 
day. Damn, how old do you feel now? Yeah, how old do you feel now? No, he's been a roommate for years. I don't know, since we moved to, to L.A. from Orange County. He, I went to school with him. We went to school with him at Chapman way back in the day. He was part of my fraternity. Uh, and, yeah, then we moved to West L.A., lived together there. Uh, that was in, what, 2015? Yeah. yeah. That was, like, a couple lifetimes ago. <laughs> so, so crazy. Can so you imagine totally the Totally different age. Absolutely. Yeah, that was before. That was pre-Trump. <laughs> Maybe so many things. Oh, I missed that time. But, yeah, then after that, we moved. We were like, oh, my God, we want to find a place, like, in Los Feliz or, or Silver Lake, you know, like the hipster area. And it was not as easy in the beginning, but then we're like, what if we found a place where, like, it's like a, home, a house that, like, of, like, uh, someone who's just ready to move on to a new place and, like, wants to let us take over the house. And that's what we exactly found in Franklin Hills, and now we live there, and it's the shit. But, I mean, of course, you guys are all moving on. Kevin's moving on. <laughs> okay. Everybody fell in love and got all wifed right. up. Yeah. <laughs> Kalen. So, Kalen, tell us hey. a little bit about yourself yeah, through the you... lens of... Oh, man. How we all through know each other. Through the lens of... Yeah. Of what was that? Through the so how we all know each other and, and whatever you want to disclose right yeah. now. What do you Shit. do for a living? What's up? What's your whole thing? What's your spiel? Yeah. Me. Uh, let's see. Um, well, for a living, I uh, am a software engineer, I guess, is my title. Um, cool. But, you know, uh, I, I'm also a musician and that's kind of like my main thing. Uh, Mike and I work together in different capacities on that. Yes. Go back a little ways uh, in the days when live music was a thing. Um, Long gone. Yeah, TVT. Long gone. R.I.P. Fuck. God, I miss that shit. Um, but yeah, uh, I like to write music, write code for money. Uh, I'm black, Hawaiian, Samoan, a little bit of German. I'm mixed as fuck. See, that's so. that Kamala, you got that Kamala Harris, the, you are the yeah, yeah, Johnson so. jeans right there. You are yeah. a Kamala, yes. basically. <laughs> I am Kamala. Well, you know. Uh, oh, that's yeah. me. I don't know what else Yeah, to that's say. awesome. <laughs> I will say that I'm going to miss the software engineer uh, roommate money. <laughs> Whoever takes his place, your ass better be coming in here with a fucking technical skill. Don't be coming in this bitch with like, oh, I work at like a coffee shop. I don't want that shit. That's Kalen Beach from like when he was I mean, 18. that was also me back Yeah, that's 18-year-old yeah, yeah. Kalen Beach. But now, you got the, in the 20s and shit, this motherfucker guy, he got software engineer money. Yeah, that's <laughs> he got awesome. Coin. That is pretty Tech cool. Coin. That uh, is pretty cool. Like, you, you basically like taught yourself how to code while you're working at Starbucks and yeah, I mean, living doing shit, it. I didn't really even get into the uh, college era when I first met Mike. Um, but yeah, we went to school in Orange County um, and that was, well, okay. I guess I didn't even explain, you know, going way back. I'm from Seattle, Washington originally. Um, cool. I've been down here in California for like, what's seven, eight, almost eight years now. That's crazy. I, over eight years, I guess. I moved down here in january 2012 fuck um wow but um been living here ever since um you know kind of formed a a new group of friends and and life down here for myself um and yeah just kind of i don't know where i'm going with that but (laughs) you can cut that shit but uh, well because we we started we all moved in together in 2015 right we moved to la and I, that was such an interesting experience because like we lived in, we moved into an apartment, 
there's only two bedrooms, so there was four of us at the time. Yeah, kind of just four of us in a two bedroom apartment. That means we were sharing rooms. You yeah. two shared a room. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then I shared a room with you, Grant, yeah. again. We've shared rooms multiple times. I know. Lord Jesus. Hey, man, you got it. I mean, rent in California is a bitch. It's, isn't it? We was, we was cheating the system. We figured it out. Yeah. But that, I'm never doing that again. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm a grown-ass man. I ain't got time. Yeah. Unless exactly. we get bunk beds or something. But then I have to bunk with, like, you and Lizzie or you and Sammy, and that's too much. Uh, <laughs> maybe just me and Lizzie or me and Sammy. Like, we could be best friends. Yeah. But um, I think it, it was such an interesting journey seeing, like, seeing you kind of go from, you know, Chapman and, and uh, no Chapman to, like, uh, working your way up to learning how to software engineer internships and doing what you're doing now and then focusing on your music a lot more now and, and stuff like that. Like, you definitely are the epitome of the, like, the pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. But <laughs> do not be confused, racist motherfuckers. That is not something that everyone can do. It takes Absolutely. a lot of work. Yeah. 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 Was it easy? Like, <laughs> no. Yeah, it was it's not no, like but, a, you know, a as, cakewalk. As, as, as we'll talk about later, yeah, it, it was not easy. Uh, I guess, uh, to put it bluntly, it's not easy to get where I've gotten, but there, you know, definitely been a lot of privileges I, you know, that got me here in the first place. So it's, you know, it's a weird balance. Yeah, for sure. And I remember distinctly, like, when we first moved in together, like, because you and I knew each other only through Mike. So when we met, that's most people because I'm the motherfucking. Connector. You're like a connector, like you're like this, like I'm the popular octopus, kid. like yeah. yeah, like you got tentacles everywhere. Yeah, it's suckers bad-ish. everywhere. Yeah, true. Um, but I remember, like, you know, it took a little bit to, like, get us to, like, warm up, you know, and become kind of friends on our own. I feel like it's something that, like, kind of grew up. Oh. But I remember distinctly one thing was you were really into, like, video games and also basketball. And I'm very into video games. I'm less so into basketball. Mm-hmm. But I think through you, I've gotten into more of both a little bit. Like, I remember, like, when we were in our apartment in L.A., like watching like the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs. Yeah, I forget what year was that. Was that 2016, 2017? I'm pretty sure it was 2016, yeah, because we had been living there for a minute already. Yes. Moved in 2015, yeah, was that, yeah. Yeah, and I just remember like that was the first time that I watched basketball like consistently. Ever? No, not ever, but consistently because I, I am not a sports person, but for some reason I love bandwagging, bandwagoning basketball. Did it's just so your fun. parents watch sports? My dad would watch NFL like sometimes on Super Bowl day. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Ooh, no. he had a white like a, family like a good with old American. Yeah. W. yeah, exactly. Like rarely was it ever a thing in our house, which yeah. is weird because like my grandpa played. Um, he played for Stanford and USC, and it's a huge thing for my dad's family, except for my dad, because my dad's like an engineer kind of mindset, so he's just not. Also, oh, he was a nerd, so he was like, "I ain't gonna do it." Exactly. Okay, cool. That's mean. He got a job. He got that money. True. He got that engineer money like Kalen do, yeah, but he got yeah. the old school engineer money, so he got even more. <laughs> but Kalen, you're a pretty big basketball fan, right? I mean, I'd say so. I'm, I'm like, you know, not, not necessarily a hardcore fan per se. Like I. I keep up with, I'd say I keep up with like more than one team, which maybe is more than, you know, a casual fan per se. That's but more than us. Yeah. You know, True. More than you guys for sure. Yeah. But I'm also, um, I kind of draw a line at a certain point where I check and I'm like, all right, I don't, I'm, you know, like I don't need to spend all day 
you know, and all my energy on this necessarily. Yeah. But I do, I do enjoy, I, I like the competition and just like the, in a way I look at it as a, as an art in a certain mm-hmm. way, but the art is kind of wrapped up in this whole fucking industry and, and money and greed and all this shit. Yeah. So it always got to be that. You, yeah. you never just have anything just be some right, fucking nothing, art nothing's gonna be sports. Yeah. That's true. Well, I feel like now in particular is like a really interesting time to be following it, you know, because like the beginning of this year, right, we had the whole like China human rights issue with mm-hmm. like the NBA, like some teams were like speaking out about it and some Right, teams, the preseason like, of the NBA, there were yeah. games in China. Right. And there's, there's a lot going on, you know, with uh, protests in Hong Kong yep. at the time before this more, most recent legislation was passed and everything, so... Yeah, and then and then now you know obviously with coronavirus, the NBA was like the first season to shut down, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, it was the uh, or first league, sure I should say. The, it was the first uh, American league to just kind of stop and be like, all right, hold up. Yeah, and they were also the first season, as far as I know, or the first league, I should say, as far as I know, to start back up again with the whole bubble thing, which you've right. told me a lot about. Yeah. So, like for people who don't know, the bubble is what? I mean, the bubble is a. They call it, I guess, their campus. It's like a, a location Sorry. in Disney World, in uh, in in Orlando, Florida, and uh, it's where all the games are happening in just one location. I mean, it's been going on for what at least a month at this point, I believe, and it'll be going on until the end of the finals in October. I want to say so. that's so crazy. Like, it's yeah. so interesting. Like that they you know shut down. They're not letting any people in. They just picked up again to like, like I've seen games with you and like basically the way that it is is like there's like a arena full with screens instead of like fans in the in yeah. the um, stands. I hate that. I feel <laughs> like you, there, there's like a certain thing about like having the actual crowd there to cheer you on and like the physical bodies that give you energy. I feel like humans we like we oh, produce sure. electricity. So like the fact that there's people there and turn turning them on, that's one thing. But a bunch of fucking heads just like looking there like it's a fucking cam girl session. Uh-uh. This shit is weird. I'm just waiting for like every now and then one of the basketball players to start like twitching like he got a vibrator in his ass and they'd be like cha ching cha ching because like people are just sitting there paying their oh little money. What, are, so your so your problem is just that there's like digital fans in yeah. the screen and like that are in just the looking weird and shit. You know, people ain't cute. They ain't did their hair up and nothing. They looking a hot ass mess, all sweaty. And yeah, it's weird. It's like they're trying. Yeah, they're trying. <laughs> the one thing I would say that was like pretty cute was uh, the you guys should find a video. You know, after this, if you can, it was like the Phoenix Suns had. The I guess the team organized uh, surprising all the players by having their families, who they haven't seen in a month plus at this point, they had their families record introductions, like their walk-on introductions. Oh, wow. And that was like a pretty, you know, wholesome moment. That's But otherwise, sweet. it's just been, you know, these dark gyms where I guess you can hear everything. So there have been a lot more fouls and whatnot because, you know, the refs can hear the players cursing at them and shit. Um mm. And just virtual fans. All the things that yeah. you used to miss. Yeah. That they would miss. I mean, I, I do love the that fa- incorporating the family element because I do feel like sometimes that people who are watching sports, and I'm saying this because I know there's a lot of fucking racist-ass Americans out there who support MAGA and all that other bullshit who are yes, avid sir. sports fans. So they probably look at a lot of these athletes and stuff as just like, 
like cattle or like like you know horses, game horses and shit. Where it's like they don't even realize they're human beings and they have families and they have feelings and shit. They're not just there to just play basketball and entertain you. Yeah, they're not like, robots that can shut off when they walk off the court. Yeah, and not yeah. care they're about their people. families. Back <laughs> yeah. Or like they're where real... Laura Ingram's like shut up and dribble, like as if that's the only thing that they're good for. Uh, it's not even. Sorry, that's triggering. She needs to shut up and dribble. But that's her whole job is to talk. Because I, never mind. Let me stop yeah. this before I get sexist. <laughs> All right. So, but you were saying it's nice to see uh, family representation. Yeah, it's nice to see that, the, like, the human element. Because it's like, I mean, that's my whole take. I I was actually named after Michael Thompson, who played for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... That was during the time of like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and all that shit. So like I had it, Magic Johnson. So I had that. I had Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen, Dennis Rodman. I've had Allen Iverson. I had Kobe Bryant. I have you know LeBron James. I got to live through the experience like the Renaissance of, of, of basketball. So I was like, that's amazing. I stopped watching it after a certain point because I was just like, I don't know. I, we were moving and traveling, doing all kinds of stuff. I just wasn't interested anymore. Except for the times we watched the Warriors games together. Yeah, that was, I was cool. Like, oh, Clay Thompson's on there. That's my son. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. Also, but, that's you know, the finals, just like the peak drama and the the yeah the whole like kind of like performative aspect of it. It's like that's why also I think it's going to be really interesting how this all plays out in this bubble now because as we're talking about, you know, no. Or, or you know this virtual fans you know the energy is going to be totally different it's going to be it's going to be interesting because i think it's a lot of a psychological battle you mm. know as well as like a physical one obviously have so, you noticed like you uh, like having followed other seasons like have you noticed like there's a different like play style or like um are they playing i mean okay so like i'm you know primarily a lakers fan and as you should be la yeah. shout out you know, and fuck the Clippers, by the way. But anyway, Ooh, there's, you know, they they came into the bubble in you know the situation of being basically locked into the top seed. Mm-hmm. So their kind of uh, way of using the remaining regular season games, I think, is probably a little different than some of these other teams that are trying to get into the playoffs, as okay. we kind of talked about briefly earlier. Right, know, that's right. Phoenix Suns, uh, Trailblazers, etc. And so. You know, some of these teams are just going off. Like, the Phoenix Suns are basically undefeated. They have been in the bubble so far. Wow. And whereas, you know, the Lakers, like, lost a bunch of games. And it's like, people are like, are y'all, are y- is, there, is there concern for LeBron and all this shit? And it's like, you know, concern. people ramping up the drama <laughs> and using that. You know, it's like classic uh, ESPN, Fox Sports stuff. But right. LeBron sports is commentary. As, a, I, as much as I don't like LeBron... Or I didn't like LeBron. I will say uh, I'm, I'm I'm a Lakers fan until I fucking die because like, if it wasn't for them I wouldn't have came a month early. Uh, mm-hmm. But true the yeah now that he's on the Lakers I'm like okay I guess he cool I guess is he because what you were why weren't you writing for him what? I wasn't he's like he's like Tom Cruise in the Last Samurai it's like at first we were fighting him what? and I wasn't fucking with him but then once we captured his ass and then we like trained him and like he's part of us now we're like okay cool you can be our white savior <laughs> uh, but he's well okay I get the yeah, metaphor right. I get the metaphor yeah, whatever, I get the metaphor I know. It, it was a weird <laughs> basketball grudge it, no it's, it's, it's so funny, funny though because that's such a real thing so many people uh, you know like okay so even going back to you know we were talking about the the whole like couple of years of the Golden State Warriors and the Cavs going to the finals against each other and like you know, for a lot of people, it just became this, like, uh, kind of, like, persona or, like, this kind of, um, uh, 
you know, people, people just kind of create their own narratives off all that. Mm. And then, and then obviously when you have any sort of celebrity, there's going to be like people forming impressions of them and not fully knowing them. But it's especially interesting to me because I'll say myself included, like, you know, when, before, when LeBron was in the East, like I was never really rooting for him. It was fun to watch him because he's like an insane athlete. Right. But, you know, he, his background is like just, like I don't want to say as rough as it gets, but he had a you know he he comes from a single mother. I think she had him when he was sixteen years old, and like just grow up as the only child and just making it to where he is now. Like it's insane. And then to think about just like that story, like I don't obviously, you know, we don't know personally what he's gone through. But right. To like come from even that background to where you are now, and then people create your, their own narratives on you. It's just it's fascinating to me. Yeah. yeah. The levels of audacity, opinions. actually, like yeah. to, to just like assume that you know anything about anyone and then to go ahead and take those opinions and, and project them onto this guy who just because right. he's good. Well, he's also a black man. So they, for sure. your country has been doing this to us for a long time, Mr. Grant Harvey. My country? Yeah. Are you not an American? I'm an American, but you are a cishead American. So, I'm, I mean. Fair. Yeah. Come well, on. No, I'll take it. I'll take it. But I, I mean, like, okay, obviously you're a Lakers fan. We've been watching primarily Lakers games, yeah. you know, when you and I watch together, which happens rarely. I, I'm, you know, again, I love bandwagoning. Like, I love just, like, getting on board, like, towards the end because it gets that's when it's the most exciting. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's, there's, you know, Lakers are looking like they're going to be the first seed. Then you've got a bunch of people fighting it out for eight seed, right? There's, like, three teams or whatever that are Yeah, it's actually kind out. of uh, almost, well... Yeah, there's a little tournament this weekend. It's called the play-in tournament, but it's kind of being decided as we speak because the final regular season games are happening right now. Yeah, didn't you say there's a game that's happening as we're recording this that's yeah. going to be pretty decisive for who? For the Suns? The uh, Trailblazers. The well, Trailblazers. It's, yeah, it's like a couple teams. That are, you know. That's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, it's, 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 it's interesting because it, I feel like it's giving the NBA great uh, drama to like... It's great entertainment for people, right? Yeah. Because it's like, you know, going into it, besides, you know, we're not even getting into the whole COVID safety stuff. Right. right. But like people were talking about the NBA. They thought that they were kind of paving a path for the Pelicans to kind of get into the playoffs instead of the Memphis Grizzlies. And they ended up getting eliminated pretty early on. We're like Dang. a total disappointment. So it's, I don't know, it's creating a lot of uh, good television, I guess, for people who... And it's been Ball long, long, uh, long time coming because it's like this was supposed to be happening March through April, right? Like right. March Madness, and then that didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, with all this, but one thing that was interesting that I noticed when we had the first Lakers game back, you know, and obviously there was a game before the Lakers game, but everyone got down on one knee, and mm-hmm. you know they did the whole Black Lives Matter thing, and uh, as they freaking should, it's like so- all black people in basketball. Come on now. Yeah, but it's so interesting, right? Because think about like four years ago, like when you, when all of us first started living together, right? For the first year, Colin Kaepernick getting down on one knee. It was mm-hmm. such a controversy. Yeah. And then now to cut to, you know, t- four years later, we have, you know, the entire league basically, for the most part, all getting down on one knee. That's so interesting to me. It's like, why, why is it that like, is it just because we had this like Black Lives Matter awakening like two months ago or a month ago, whenever it was? That, that we can do this now or 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 is there something different about the NBA the well, fans physically being there and the ticket sales I you feel think like the that's end, what it is I feel like at the end of the day 
I mean, that's what I personally think. That's that's what's different now is they don't have the risk of losing that because they don't have it. They don't have it anyway. So now it's like I mean, granted, the the protests and stuff like that are at a all time. It's way different than they were in the past because you know they're passing have social media driving it, but. At the same time, they don't have to worry about a bunch of racist redneck dudes who are like, oh, I don't want to buy my nosebleed, nosebleed seat tickets anymore because, like, they're kneeling. Everyone's fucking at home, and, like, they're going to get this. They're going to get the same viewership or the same, you know, it's nothing really changes in that regard. So you think business is bad enough that they can make that call and they can well, go Well, I mean, they're there. kind business of like, they're in, a, they're in a position where, you know, the people that have, I'd imagine, who have some interest in watching basketball, when it comes back after months of, they're not being, you know, any major American sports. They're going to be like, just going to want to watch it. Right. So it's almost like them being in the power position of being like, we can just do what we feel like we want to do. Like supply and demand, pretty much. That yeah. makes sense. Because actually, I had read that, you know, I don't know the details of this, but apparently there are like longstanding rules, like NBA rules that players are supposed to stand during the national anthem. Really? But the commissioner, Adam Silver, who I think, uh, it, you know, he definitely has a lot to do with the way that they've um, kind of chosen to, you know, uh, talk about social issues in this restart. Mm-hmm. He just kind of decided that they don't need to follow those rules necessarily. And so it was kind of like, and obviously that needs to happen for them to kind of do it and not get in trouble. But it's like at a certain level, the league, it, it, I think it, you know, along with what Mike talked about, it comes down to like the league's decisions, right? Because like the NFL and all their owners, they're their own people compared to the NBA and all their owners. Right. And so they got to decide what's what they're going to do. Yeah. On a personal level, like for their businesses and shit, they got, you know. So so we have some interesting statistics here. So, because we, we kind of talked about this beforehand and we wanted to figure out, like, is there something else going on that, like, maybe could, could be contributing to this? So we have information from the Institute for Diversity and Ethics in Sports, which is codenamed TIDES. Um, and we have the, the, the ethnic breakdown of everyone in the four major um, sports leagues. So we have the, the NBA ethnic breakdown of the players. Um, we have the MLB, the NFL, and the NHL. So I thought this was interesting. I want to share this with everyone and just get your guys' takes on this. So in the NBA, right, there's an ethnic breakdown of 73.9%. This is as of 2020 black players, right, African-American players, followed by 20.5% that are white players, and 2.3% that are Latino players. This is why racism exists. <laughs> what do you mean? Because I think, I personally believe that basketball is one of the most, like, uh, one of the most athletic sports. And before motherfuckers who, like, die hard about other sports, I'm not saying that they're not athletic in other sports, but basketball is one of the only sports that incorporates all of the the muscle skills and, and uh technique that all the sports contain because you know like yeah, when you, when you have soccer there's a lot of leg, leg work right and same in basketball it's, it when requires have, conditioning strength and you know you gotta jump as high yeah. as fuck so. so there you go bam you got all that stuff then when you got uh baseball there's also a lot of like in your arms and, and, and power yeah, right and power shooting right and but then you have that because you're shooting the ball and catching yep. the ball and stealing the ball and doing all that stuff like that and dribbling the ball so it's like it basketball is one of the most like versatile as far as like athleticism and, and muscle uh uh I don't know. Like it yeah, sports. like it incorporates yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah, so like I think the fact that black people dominate this, it kind of like, it makes that inadequate white guy be like, oh my God, I fucking hate them. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you say that because we have another um, group of statistics here from Statista 
and it's a report on the demographic of fans by ethnicity and what their favorite sports league is. And apparently, only 6% of white fans report the NBA as being their most popular sports league. See, obviously, that all that whole other what? I can't even do math. Some 90-something percent, 94% of white people are just like, uh-uh. We ain't fucking with it because we're pissed off. Yeah. Or it's at least not their favorite, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whereas 33% of white fans report the NFL being their most popular. That's interesting because black people are still dominant in that. Yeah. According like to Tides. The aspect of it that's unsurprising to me is just the the American like kind of like myth I feel like that's tied to football yeah. versus some of these other sports. The only other would be baseball. And like historically true, but only nineteen percent of white fans report right. baseball being there. And maybe I don't know. That's why, like, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't I'm have, some, I don't have some sort of theory on all this, but it's it's interesting to me that like football is the most violent sport out of all of them, out of yeah. out of those for sure. And I mean, and it's like it's 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 the most popular by far in terms of like money brought in in America and everything. It's way true. better than basketball. A bunch true. of aggressive black guys run around like tackling each other like gorillas, like. Obviously, white people like that shit because that's what they think of us anyway. Well, what's so interesting is like, so my my family on my dad's side loves football. Like my grandpa played, he played for USC and Stanford. Like he played for two different teams. He probably so. played when they had like pigskin footballs and like the, the leather hat. Like helmets, you know that movie, shit. like Leatherheads. Yeah, with yeah. George Clooney and <laughs> I forget who else is in that. Maybe John Krasinski or Matt Damon Whoever. or someone, some Somebody, other white guy. One of them. Like that's like my grandpa's era of football, right? Um, and he, was, he, he killed it at the time, you know, um, but they love football and it just was never something that interests me kind of for the reasons that you said, which is it, you know, it's just football is very stop and go. Like, you know, we do a play and then we stop. Whereas basketball, it's just going all the time. It's so much more There's interesting like fast to watch breaks all the time. Like yeah. everybody's like, you could literally, a person could score a point and in the time, like in a couple seconds. Because yeah. like they just saw her, stole the ball and just fucking zoomed down the court and just and laid it up, laid it up or something. And like they're just seeing that is like way cooler than football, where it, ta- it takes like uh, fucking an hour for them to get over to the other side, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, not also, as bad as soccer, but right. And in football, generally, you know, the games they play what like once a week in yeah. general. Like just the, it's a lot more drawn out. They need to be sport. though, because they're tackling and shit. They would be them. Needs to be broken <laughs> up if they were yeah, doing that like yeah. five times a week. That's yeah. true. That's yeah. I. I mean, I have. I'm. I feel some type of way about most of these sports because at the end of the day, it's just a, like a repurposing of Mandingo fighting from the slavery era. Like you had a bunch of black guys, you fucking trained the ones like, oh, he's a big ass nigga. I'm gonna get him. You know, I'm gonna work him out. I'm gonna make sure he ain't got no girlfriend or no wife and no family. Really stay away from them. Make him live far away from them. Get him buff as fuck. Fight other black guys, and he's just like my Mandingo fighter. I make a bunch of money off of. Like you seen uh, Django Unchained for people who don't know history, watch a movie and you can figure it out. But that shit was real. And like, I bet you so like, many people that watch Django Unchained were like, "What is this? This was this wasn't real." It's real. Think about it. <laughs> just, no, they're switch. surprised by seeing that. That's just, like some just change their being face. Being surprised with... by seeing a George Floyd video, like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's real. the same shit. Like put take that man Dingo fighter and replace his face with Mike Tyson. Replace his face with LeBron James. Replace his face with. Uh, you know, whoever. I don't know who else. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, so many bl- amazing athletes happen to be black. And just, yeah. it's like there's a correlation there. Yeah. And in my mind, you know, I think when, when I think about, you know, watching sports or consuming ultimately because it's like an entertainment product, 
that's mm. put out there and, and we consume it and it makes a lot of money for certain people, you know, et cetera. But like, I think the, the thing with uh, sports today that I'm following really closely as it pertains to what's going on with, you know, social justice and, and, you know, everything in this country is that it's like, what's the, like, kind of what's the trend or direction they're going in and what, like, what are these leagues and owners doing individually? Because at the end of the day, it's like, so you have, you know, you have the, the people that like have ownership in the teams in, in what's going on as you're talking about who would be like the Mandango, like, uh, Mandango, like, um, you know, owners and, and they're, they're kind of running the show essentially. Right. But then increasingly in certain, in certain leagues and, and to different capacities, there's, there's more power going to the players, but it's kind of like, what is that power really? And what's coming of it in terms of, um, you know, uh, what it looks like to the fans that consume the entertainment versus what actual change or what, what power they actually hold. You know. Because there's a lot of criticism of all of these, you know, players from all of these different leagues because they make millions of dollars. So right. when they try to call out things like systemic racism or like injustice in America, on you know, done onto black people, they, uh, you know, they get criticized because like, well, you make millions of dollars. Why don't you give your money to charity? Why don't you stop black on black crime? But they do. Yeah, and the thing is, they do, and that's what's that's what's interesting to me because it's like, I've seen. Uh, you know a sentiment from you know people which i kind of get where they're coming from in certain ways but also you know so the sentiment is that sports you know this was coming up a lot as you know the nba was restarting and other sports were talking about coming back is that sports are a distraction right from Mm. the issues and and this is you know it's a real it's it's definitely a conversation worth having because you know it's like what like it can consume so much of people's time and energy because it's so entertaining, right? Like I was talking about, like, you know, it's, it's easy just to get wrapped up in, like, I don't, I, I, I got to stop myself from just like, you know, putting more time and energy into it than I feel like I need to. Cause it's like, there's so much depth to it. And they create this whole industry of like adding drama, adding these storylines, creating, you mm. know, like narratives for LeBron, creating all these things. It's like, yeah. So it's easy to get wrapped up in that. But at the same time, you know, I just, I try to consider like what what actions are being done by the people in power in these in these systems, right? So like you have, um, you know, like I think a big example a couple years back was with Colin Kaepernick in the NFL, right? Yeah, and about him basically being blacklisted from from playing in the league because of his kneeling. He still isn't on a team, right? Right. No. Yeah, but <laughs> Black Lives Matter, though. Lied ass. I was gonna say we changed the name of the Washington Redskins and shit. Well, we didn't even change the name; we put a placeholder in it. And Washington football sudden, team. Yeah, now it's so progressive. But yeah, Colin Kaepernick still is like the devil because he kneeled. Like, fix all of that shit, and it shouldn't take longer than a day. No, it's funny though because like it, like, it, you know the so the only thing I mean, again, I I follow the NBA mostly, so like I, I'm not gonna claim to be some expert on sports. I'm really not. I'm just like I'm a, you know fairly casual fan of the NBA, but, um, in the NFL, I did see that they soon, this was around June, you know, soon after, you know, George Floyd was killed and everything. Um, they like pledged to give, I think it was like 200, some $250 million over like 10 years to, I don't know exactly what organizations or how that money is spent, but over it's like 10 that, years. Yeah. So that kind of thing is interesting. Cause it's like, 
how much of that, like, you know, if you break that down, it's probably like a small chunk of change that these owners, I think the money comes from owners. That's, that's you know, some slick like moves how it comes right through there. over the years. So it's like, and also like, what does that money go to? Cause that's like, that's a long, that's a lot of years to, to span out that much money when we know how much money a single player makes, you know, I don't know at the top of my head cause it's just been changing over the years, but a single player can make multi-million dollars. So 200. Okay. That's how many people are in the NFL. If each one of them had gave a million dollars, it'd be more than the 200 something million. So, uh, the fact that it's, only that much when those that's just the football players not the owners not the not the the boards and execs and whatever you know all of the institution of, of football like there's a lot more money in, in it than that and they don't just there's, take... there's, it's like what it's like a billion dollar industry also don't right? throw money at it why do you need to throw money at an organization you are an organization that promotes the betterment and the improvement of black people because you're we just read the statistics about how many black people play football yeah like that it's it's so weird that like institutions like the police force and um uh basketball and football and stuff like that like how can we do better for black people uh just look at your own organization because it already has black people in it if you want to show how black lives matter work from within you ain't got to go get no money to some some other extracurricular outside uh organization you're revamp refix and reform your own right and that's why i brought it up because it's you know when, when I see things like that, it's something that, you know, uh, people can see that it, it's kind of, it, it, it gives an impression optically and people see big, big sums of money and they're like, okay, such and such group is, is taking action, right. By, by putting this information out that they're giving this much money out, but it's like, there are more questions to it. Like what, like, what does that really accomplish in terms of even their own organization? Right. And it's like, that's why. I think it's such a big part of it is, um, you know, like there being more black owners in, in these leagues yeah. and, um, yeah, they've been saving up that just, money. Shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, one thing that's interesting. So the NBA remains that this is according to tides, the NBA remains the industry leader among men's sports for racial and gender hiring practices, even with the increased grading scales introduced last season. And I think it's something like 25%, I want to say of coaches, it, are people of color. Yeah, but that's I, I will say that while that sounds progressive and cool, it's just because they're all former basketball players. And we know there's a lot of fucking black basketball players. Like most of the commentators, uh coaches, all that shit are all former athletes. Like in so, to some regard. Right. They're, they're, yeah, they're it connected. is interesting too. I, I, I have no idea what the statistics are, but what the kind of breakdown of let's say black uh former athletes who are in either coaching or commentating or in the media side of it, yeah. versus uh, white coaches or commentators who have never been involved yeah. in, in the actual athletic side of it. Mm, like, that's playing, interesting. Uh, player, you know? Yeah, but I mean, it is cool. I mean, so the actual statistic is 26.7% of head coaches were African-American in the NBA. Um, so like you said, like that obviously goes back to former players. You know, there's a, there's a funnel, right? Um, but the NFL... Which, according to Tides, the NFL is 69.7% black as of 2020, right? 27.4% white. Um, players. Players-wise. Yeah. Um, but the coaches, even though they have um, rules in place to try and at least get interviews for black coaches to become 
Um, that is one rule that's in the NFL is like they have to at least interview a certain amount of black or at least um, I believe it's you know people of color, if not black, specifically coaches for head coach jobs. Only 9.4% of NFL head coaches are black. Because it's on the field. It's a field sport. Anytime it's a field sport, that is way too close to slavery, and they know where niggas belong. And that's why you have the quarterbacks most of the time are white guys, and that's why you have the coaches are white guys, because it's the overseer and it's the slave master telling all these niggas to run and catch, touch, uh, catch a touchdown. I'm sorry. It is what it is. Say it's controversial. Say I'm crazy for saying it, but that's what I see when I look at it. That's not taking away from the skill and the talent of everyone. They're fucking talented and skilled. Yeah. But... That shit looks real, very familiar to some old historical shit like that, based it's, off of the makeup of the positions. It's so interesting, though, because when we also have information here that's the share of sports fans in the U.S. as of August 2020 by ethnicity, and when you look at black fans in particular, right, 34% of, of the black people surveyed said that they're avid fans, and 41% said they're casual fans. So that means that 75% of the black fans that were, or black people that were surveyed we're fans, sports fans. And that it's, you compare that to 62% of white fans or 62% of white people surveyed are fans and 71% of Latino people surveyed are fans. Like 75% of the people that were surveyed were, were fans of sports. So it's like, that is one of your biggest demographics there, you know? Especially when you look at the, NA, uh, the NBA and the, the NFL. So it's like, that's a huge demographic of people that are interested in, consumers of this sports entertainment um and so i think it's just it's worth pointing out that even in the nfl where you know like you said mike like there's there's these issues that are surrounding it in the ownership and all of that like there's still a huge amount of people who are involved and interested in it who who aren't this white demographic that seems to be catered to specifically with the nfl and you know how they treated colin kaepernick and obviously you know Mm -hmm. things have hopefully are starting to change especially with the current times that we're in but it's just one of those things where it's like, you've got to take these people into consideration. Um, one thing that was interesting, right? So we've got all the fans here. Um, this is just a minor point that I just want to bring up because I thought it was pretty funny. So Tides, they have all of the, the breakdowns of, you know, the ethnicities of the players. For the NHL, which is the National Hockey League, they don't really break it up by ethnicity, so to speak, like, like you know, black, Latino, uh, or white. It's Canadian, U.S., European, or Russian, right? Which so flavor of white guy? Yeah, so for the NHL, it's 45.3% of players are Canadian, 27.3% are United States citizens, 23.3% are European about, citizens. you know... Uh, when it comes to hockey too, like I'm this is I'm I'm the most far removed from hockey. In yeah, terms me of my too. My understanding, my fandom, whatever. But hockey requires a lot to play it. It requires a lot of means, and like you need mm. equipment. You need a lot of equipment. You know, whereas I would say the the polar opposite would be like what soccer, probably right. True. Or or maybe basketball if you have a hoop. But like, and it's interesting because like that isn't totally surprising to me. Then <laughs> if it's predominantly white, it requires the most means to play it. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, another interesting fact. Okay, so we've got the, the the statistics of sports fan demographics, right? And it's separated by um, you know which league they find is the most uh, most popular. So for white fans, we said only six percent found the NBA most popular. 
33% found the NFL most popular, which we already said compared to 19% that found the MLB their most popular. We compare that to Latino, where 27% of the Latino people surveyed um, said that the NFL was their most uh, popular sports league, then to 15% for the NBA, and then 16% for N- MLB. Um, African Americans, right, 35% said the NFL was their favorite sports league. Versus 30% who said that the NBA was their favorite sports league, and then 6% for the MLB and 2% for NHL. Um, But then there's this category called other. And other, which as we know, there are different ethnicities than just black, Latino, and white in the United States in particular. Uh, Other said that 27% was the NFL, NFL was their favorite sports league, followed by 18% to the NBA, and 12% to the MLB, 5% to the NHL. Well, what what is other? What Wait. is that? Like Kalen, <laughs> Kamala, and The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> Just three of us. No, it's uh yeah, I mean other other is a pretty pretty fucking loaded word in terms of Oh uh, definitely race in America. I mean, it's pretty I feel like I can relate to it a lot in terms of just um my kind of like upbringing where my understanding of my own identity and race was kind of like like muddled i guess for lack of a better word it was like um you know i'm mixed and it's just like it's kind of it's it's easy to attach with other when you don't have that just hard definition of like i'm i'm all of this i'm all of that right yeah. Well, what, like, growing up, like, what was your, like, what did you define yourself as? That was such a, like, that was such a nice way of not doing it the old school white kid way. Like, what are you? (laughs) Or, like, where are you from? Where are you from? Like, that, that, that's a derogatory, microaggressive fucking bullshit ass way of asking. But, yeah, like, so what, because, I mean, for for the sake of this conversation and, and for people, other people that might identify with being thrown into the other category. What is Air your quotes other. other. Yeah, other category, because bullshit-ass categories. Yeah. Um, what is your... What's the breakdown? What's what? I mean, well... What's the recipe of Caitlin Beach? Oh, jeez. Um, to so, You know, it, uh, it... I guess, you know, I got to lay down some context. It's like my parents split when I was... God, I don't even remember. Was, I must have been around 10, 11 or so. Oh, and... Wow. Um, so I was, you know, I was like, you know, like I had memories of when they were together and everything, but a lot of my, you know, my kind of upbringing and predominantly my, um, you know, my, my story in Seattle was that I was around my mom's family after my parents split, which is the predominantly, you know, Hawaiian, Samoan, German, more Asian side of the family. Gotcha. Um, and so that kind of, I kind of just was in that lane, like for a lot of my adolescence, at least, and kind of in the age of like really kind of being more introspective and thinking about these things. Um, however, you know, when I was younger and when I was a kid, um, you know, just being around my parents a lot, there were, <laughs> there were a lot of signs, I guess, that I was black, you know, and, you know, like parents always listening to you know, Tupac and Usher and just every, you know, whatever was coming out in the 90s at the time. 
Okay, wait. So funny story is that when I first met, this is actually before I even brought it up to him. When I first met him, just deep down in my mind, I was like, "Is that a nigga?" I mean, I mean, <laughs> that's because you know I can't say that shit out loud. You know, all them white kids and shit in my school. But I, I looked at him and I was like, "Oh man," I was like, "He's definitely he's black." But uh, just through time and you know what and 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 what he presented to me, I was like, okay, well, he, you know, this is his. He's saying this is family and all that stuff. I'm like, cool. You, you, I would never question anyone, but but I, deep down, you're like, I know you yeah, better than you know you. <laughs> I like I I would say it as a joke so many times when we lived together. I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, Caitlyn's black. Like, but it just yeah. it became a running gag, and it did. <laughs> Because there was so many things like it's like the fact that you already sound like Keith David and James Earl Jones. Yeah. That's one thing. I was like, come on now, you know, anybody else don't sound like that, but know some deep African roots. That's some barefoot spears, Maasai warrior deep voice. Uh, Barry White. Yeah, Barry White. Yeah, you already know it. But then uh, so you had that. Then his hair, when his hair grew out long enough, I was like, that much like that's that shit is kinky. So I was like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> And then, and then on top of that, I was like, okay, there's the elements of like, I mean, just your 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 features, and then like your interests and like how you carry yourself. It was it was very much it it, it to me it was like obviously there's there's Asian, but then there's black. Like it was no, it was very like you wasn't all about the bullshit or Tom Fullery. And I feel like that's when you more when you start to get more foolish. That's the the white side, and <laughs> I can attest. I can definitely attest to that. Yeah, but he was kind of like, I'm, I just want to chill, and I was like, Oh, see, he a chill too. Oh, he's more blacker than I am. Well, but, well, did like, how did you feel when he would make jokes about that? Like, did you like, did you relate I mean, that? It, back? it was never derogatory, by the way. Can you black is a compliment? Oh yeah, I mean, not. it was kind of, it was more like, uh, to be honest, it was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll kind of get to like developments and maybe why we're talking about this in the first place in a second. But to, to answer, you know, what you're, what you're asking, it's like, it was kind of just like, in a way I was like, probably, yeah, but I, I just didn't necessarily know. Um, and this kind of, I guess I'll just get into it. So I, you know, re my, so my dad and I, and my family in general, you know, when I, when I moved to California, as I said, in 2012, I've been super independent since like I I'm not the classic like talk to your parents like every couple days sort of person I'm not even like yeah and so that's just the white kids who listen to live with or whatever they're like mommy I need to talk to you every day send me some snickerdoodles I ain't feel uncomfortable I was too busy like trying to figure out how (laughs) to pay rent because like my family had no hope of helping me you know so that was like I was like I can't go to them for help and like and you know, so long story short, my connection with my family, I've had to kind of, you know, distance myself in order to find my own way and to, mm. to get by mm. down here. And so relatively recently, I, you know, reconnect with my dad more. And that's not to say like I never talked to him or anything, but I just talked to him more about this stuff and maybe even bigger in terms of finding more about myself. I, um, we were added as friends on Facebook mm. and I was able to kind of look at our, at his friends and whatnot. And it rung a lot of bells of people I saw when I was younger, but I didn't like at very short periods of time and didn't really know who they were. And I was like, hold up. That's, that's the connection there. And like their so, family. Yeah. What? I was like, Oh, okay. And that's it just kind of like cleared a lot of shit up. And I was just like, well, here we are. 
That's how I found out. Kalen didn't like come to me and say, Mike, you were right. I'm, I'm a nigga. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he, it, I literally was on Facebook and I don't know if his, I don't know if his dad added me or something. I just somehow saw. His, I think it was just because my dad and I added each other and then you probably yeah, saw he that. Yeah, added, and, and it was like a were, recent friend. Like, he added. I gotta fucking I, dive into this shit. I clicked it and I was like, hold on, who is this man that looked like Kalen? But this man is a black man. And I was, I started digging and I was like, okay, now this, this black man, he's standing around all these Negroes. I was like, but this is, this is Kalen Beach, like yeah. a couple years later. And wow. I was like, who is that? I was like, this is his dad. So like, my, <gasps> my grandfather on my dad's side, yeah, who I, you know, never really close with like I, I to be honest I don't even remember really meeting him I'm sure we have at some point but I must have been this, this was before my parents split up um but yeah he's black as you are black <laughs> like, is, yeah so, black as night yeah. so yeah wow. I was like see I know it I was so mad because I was like I was so robbed so many like for so long I've been trying not to say the n-word and trying to like dumb myself down ebonic wise so like Grant can understand what I'm saying and our <laughs> other white roommates so they'd be like huh what are you saying, black I friend? understand. I'm just uh, deaf. Mm, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there over time, yes, he's been deaf. But there there is always like a there's like a code switching that does always occur whether That's I want true. to or not when I'm talking about certain things or how I act. And I was like, damn, I could've you mean this whole time. I could have been like, What's up, my nigga? But uh <laughs> <laughs> I mean we'll make up for lost time. Yeah. But yeah, that I think that's what that brings to light. Which is so interesting is that I've talked to some another friend of mine who is a uh, mixed race as well, that everybody focuses on like the reds and the blues and the greens of the rainbow, but there's so many other colors yeah, that are in shades. between, like the and that we over that we overlook. Like it's just like the same thing. Like, you get a box of crayons or whatever. We all know the fucking the sixteen colors or whatever the eight colors that come in that little ass box. But when you get that big ass, America box of, is one of the main yeah. Boxes. America's the big ass one with the fluorescent orange and shit. Remember that uh, with yeah. the, the sharpener in the back. The colors are like tangerine and magenta. And yes, all yeah, all the different colors: burnt orange, red orange, you know, blue, green. You know, it's like there's so much. So like the fact that we try to always simplify everything and put it down to a binary black white other this all that shit that's ridiculous like there's it doesn't at a certain point everything is blended and mixed up you don't know what's what because i mean like obviously i'm a descendant of a slave but you mean to tell me that slaves never had sex with anybody but slaves bitch please we all know that wasn't true so like thomas jefferson yeah that's 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 just one that's just thomas jefferson who knows about everybody else they was fucking two shit but um it's yeah it's just there were so it's so mixed up in such a blend so it's like very important for us to be open to all ethnicities and cultures and stuff right there. Cause it's, I'm pretty sure it's, it's connected to you in some way or another, whether it's through blood or through history. Yeah. And it's made, you know, with what's been going on in terms of protests and everything since George Floyd was murdered, like it's, it's just made me think a lot about my, you know, where my identity falls within all that in a way, whereas it's, it's kind of tough because it's, I'm looking at it from the whole perspective of, you know, this isn't about me. Like this, this fight is for black people in America that have been struggling and everything. But it's like, I, I guess I technically fall into that too. And it's a weird, it's a weird way. It's like, it's a weird uh, kind of confusion at times of like, how much am I this versus, you know, what's, what's my kind of like relation to you, this, you know? You get, you get the whole cause. Like I, I I've, I've heard, I've discussed this with, some other friends as well that are kind of like, you know, mixed race and stuff. And they're like, how much is, I'm like, the whole thing is about you. 
if you, if you got two percent of African American blood in you, African blood in you, uh, Madagascar, I don't know, some you know Cuban, anything like the cause, the Black Lives Matter, and the cause is is supporting you, and your life matters too. Like it, it you it you benefit from this just as much as I do, and you are hurt by this, uh, by the the oppression and the and and the uh, aggressions of of the of the oppressor just as much as I am. Like, so it's, it's, it's just mm-hmm. that it's going to be presented probably in a different way to you. And right. And but, I think that's, as you're saying about how it's presented, that's more so the story of my experience of how I, or rather how I might have experienced racism in different forms over the years. Right. Cause it's like, so I went to school back in Seattle, um, at this K through 12 private school, which from the jump sounds like, like privilege you know, and, and yeah exactly and it is <laughs> yeah. and it is for sure but me being there in the first place only happened because my dad went to that school and was like one of you know I, so i would say that you know the it, um the school i went to called the bush school in seattle and you know this small ass school and this like really um I, you know high earning neighborhood <laughs> the bush school yeah like, not named after our former presidents, but, um, I was thinking of like Bush people. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it, they, it's, it's one of those like liberal Seattle kind of schools, right? So they, they tried in terms of diversity and whatnot, but at the end of the day, it was still mostly rich white families. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, I, you know, it was a weird, I didn't even know how to assess it being, being, you know, one of relatively few, people of color in the school um while i was there and it's just kind of uh you know that being being exposed to a lot of wealthy white families meanwhile my family was you know struggling to make ends meet at times and and affected a lot by you know the recession 2008 and whatnot Mm. so so for i know for myself like i was also like I didn't go to a private school, but Bakersfield was definitely predominantly white in most areas that I was living in. I was like the only black kid, like in the whole class or sometimes the whole school at certain points. Uh, so there were times uh, where I felt like I was getting, I would get good attention or treatment because I was like, I was like a poster child, like a mascot. Like they needed, they needed me there. So like even if I even if I, I, I there were times where things that could have been translated or seen now as an adult as probably problematic right microaggressions racism I was like no it's just like special preferential treatment or special treatment because like I'm unique but so how was there ever any experience where you felt like like you were treated differently than the white kids you went to school with I mean yeah like uh, you know a big part of my education in high school. Um, and, and big part of my story being at the school was that in the beginning of my junior year, I had to like leave the school and start another because my family couldn't afford it. It was never really, um, kind of set up for them. They didn't have the finances set aside everything and weren't ready to like actually afford all that. Yeah. Essentially. I mean, America's so, fucking shitty set up like that. Yeah. So, bullshit. you know, I Preach. actually, it, it's crazy. I actually went to. Um, another school for one day and then uh my family got a call from uh you know my school that i went to growing up uh saying that an anonymous group of 
families or, or parents of, of students at the school wanted to donate enough money to my family to allow me to finish education at the school I went to from kindergarten. Wow. On, and to finish uh, 11th and 12th grade there. That's Damn. really cool. And so uh, that was kind of like, you know, to be honest, when, when I was in it at that time, it was more just like, thank fucking God. And I was just, I was just like, thank you. And <laughs> like, I'll just yeah. make the most of it. I never, I didn't really um, assess it like racially or anything until like later in my life when I was like, well, I wonder if this would actually happen to me if I was white per se, or if there was, if, if, if this was maybe any other demographic of students in the school or if, you know, if the situation was different because yeah, that's from the jump, I was there because my father went there and he was only there for a couple of years. And you know, that allowed my family to kind of like keep me there beyond their own means. So you know? do you think that they wanted you there because of your identity, because of your background? I mean, I don't, I would say that it's probably part of it. I don't, I don't want to say I mean, that's everything because sure. I mean, surely, you know, the, whoever, I still don't know to this day who like gave my family all that money ultimately, but whoever did do that, like it's, it, it had, I, I would think it's beyond just like the color of my skin and who the, you know, I had friends and stuff at the school, their family, their parents knew me and, and you know, so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, should you probably still talk to them? Yeah. Uh, you don't even know. But I mean, they're, I mean, it's, it's easier for, for people that have those means to like pinpoint who is in dire need of it when they can see physically who those mm-hmm. people are. What I'm yeah. saying is like when you could tell they're like Latin American or black or or you know Asian American or something like that, they can be like, oh, those people need help. You it's know, like, it's probably harder for them to find a white kid that needs help unless the kid walking in, coming into school barefoot and rags. And well, it's like, like what I kid. said earlier, another episode. It's like you, it's hard for people to to you know correlate things unless they have personal connection to something. Which is like stupid, but that's just how humans work. We're just very dumb in that I mean, way, especially like white people. COVID. <laughs> like yeah. People ignore that shit until... Until somebody know. they know dies. and I, dies, yeah. I will say that there's something that's so interesting because they're, without getting too into it, there are experiences that I've had when I, since I've known you where you were in periods of needing of needing maybe assistance or, or, mm-hmm. or help and benefit from, from, or from, from friends and stuff like that. And we worked together to make sure you had those things. Definitely. And one instance for, cause I, I necessarily wasn't, I always, you know, I barely had a pot to piss and in a window to throw it out of. So I wasn't able to help people out financially as much, but there's one moment that I will always remember. I don't even think I'm talk to you about this, but we were in Vegas and there was a time where we were getting the table. And I remember that like, you know, everybody, every, like, the, the guy that was hooking us up is one of our fucking rich-ass white friends. He dropped all of a sudden a new price on us, and it was way more, and everybody had to pitch in. But then, I, don't, and I think at the moment, you didn't, you might not have had the amount or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe I was drunk, maybe I was a little tipsy on some drugs, I don't know. But I was like, <laughs> I pretty much was like, fuck it. Like, I just, I got it. Like, I got it. Like, I, 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 we got the situation. And I, in my brain, I was like, if I I dis I don't really have that much money, but if I give this whatever it was like five hundred six hundred dollars at the time, it was a lot of money, um, pay to pay for my my share and then his share, but I I was like it's gonna come back, and crazy enough, like once we this is way before we moved to L A. There have been multiple times that I was like, between jobs couldn't pay the rent right away on the first and stuff like that, 
And then all of a sudden, it just it completely changed. You know, you had you had you had a the engineer money. Yeah, the engineer Coin. money. <laughs> and now and now all of a sudden, he was like helping me, and I was like, see, the world does work like that. It you That's you don't true. know when it's gonna happen, mm-hmm. but uh, you don't like you be supportive of other people in that one little moment because you never know when it's gonna come back and you are gonna need it. And I needed it like ten times. Yeah. So and like, you know what's crazy is like, it's it's. You know, it is crazy you bring that up because it's like when I think about the story I was telling, like I probably wouldn't even be here talking to you guys if it weren't for that act by these people. I don't know. Yeah, those anonymous because donors. it led me on a whole path of, you know, at the end of high school, following college counselors and lead, led me to Chapman, which brought me to California. All this stuff. So it's like so important. Yeah, that's crazy. That's, crazy. that's, that's like, yeah. If you're that person that's like on the fence, or if you're like. Should I donate this money to this organization? Should I donate, like, to be a donor to this, you know, this kid or whatever going to this inner city school or something like that? Yeah, because guess yeah. what? It you might you might give that kid just put a little five hundred dollars on towards his tuition that year for school, and then he ends up becoming like the next president of the United States. You're like, what the fuck, shit? Did I do that? Yeah, <laughs> and then you can hit him up and be like, hey, guess what? <laughs> yeah. I, my business I need needs my, some tax breaks. Hey, I need my money back. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that time when you was like seven years old and I hooked you up? Uh, yeah, but no, it's just, it's so important, I don't know, to to be supportive of that. And that's, that's yeah. something that I've learned, like living with you guys and stuff like that. There's been so many times that we're all like picking and choosing. I feel like more 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 times than not, I feel like it's always like, I don't know, I mentally, I just feel like I'm always the one that needs like help. But... That was probably more in the in the, at a certain period of time. Now it's not so much, but um, yeah, it's just it's so interesting that you know it's you can see people's journey and how and how those experiences like of generosity helped them, and then now it now it created them into a person who's like a generous person. Well, do you feel like that there's so like that's obviously the really positive side and positive outcomes that happened with that. Like obviously with everything going on, like do you feel differently? like about Black Lives Matter when like you do take that persona on and you're like, wait, that or that identity on and like this does kind of apply to me. Like to like like have you experienced like that negative side of it too? Right. Like and racism? that's I guess that's what's um you know, when I mentioned it being confusing in a way, that's where that's where that comes from in terms of like I have never uh, maybe this is also because like I don't drive normally. Like I just like don't have a car in LA, so that maybe you ain't missing out on that, nothing. That saves me <laughs> from a lot of potential risk just being out there. I didn't got tickets, arrested, yeah. thrown under the jail. But I've and never, shit. I've personally <laughs> never gotten like I have driven a lot in my life back in Seattle, but like I've never gotten pulled over by a cop and like felt like my life was potentially about to end. Mm. But but you know, again, I don't drive that much. But nevertheless, like. There are certain things like experiences like that I that are such common to, um, you know, being black in America that I haven't experienced. Mm-hmm. So that's where it's like, well, fuck, then can I even claim to be that? You know, mm. like what, like how much do I relate to that then? That's you know? that. Yeah, that's so. Yeah. That's so interesting. I mean, I have no, I have no idea. Obviously, being who I am, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what do you think, Mike? Well, I my my take on this is that. Everybody does experience the same things. It's just that how you perceived it was different than me because you thought that like you yeah. could get stopped by four cops and you'd be like, "Oh, but the officers are just doing their job." We were kind of su- suspicious kids, so I get stopped by five cops. I'm like, "Oh my god, they were coming after me because I'm black and they're trying to kill me." Like we both got, we both happened to us. I just remember mine more because I already have, I entered it with a traumatic 
uh, experience. Mm. You just saw it as like, oh, that was like a bad moment. Like we were doing something bad. Well, that's so true. And one thing that we are not talking about right now because it's not helpful, but like there are a lot of white people that are killed by police too. Like less proportionally, but still happens. But we don't, we don't, when as a white person, we don't come into the like conversation with a cop thinking I could well, potentially die. Think everything that happens to them is normal, including death. Or including not death. And then we go out and we apply that to everybody. So we think, oh, well, I'm never afraid for my life with the police. So why would you feel that way? Yeah. I I do think, but I, I mean, I, it's, I can only imagine. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen that haven't happened to me. And I'm a black, I'm a dark skinned black man. And just because they haven't happened to me that I don't think that they couldn't happen. For sure. To me. It's like, it's not like. To be black, you need to be held at gunpoint or something. You know, it's yeah, like, you don't yeah, have to, fuck that. You don't yeah. have to go through this checklist of things right. to do. Although I will say, man, like we just did the whole Facebook discovery <laughs> and like you like officially being black literally happened last year, and then America was like, bitch, we got we gonna break you into this shit real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to give you a fucking yeah, it was like march. It was like you. that. And then a couple months later, like you and I were out on Hollywood Boulevard standing in front of the National Guard. Yeah. Crazy. Kenny, like, let ease into it. Like, yeah. let him watch Moesha and the Parkers and shit on UPN first. And I mean, then... I watched my fair share of Martin and shit back in the day. Like, oh, okay. Hmm, See, he, yeah, that's why I told you. I knew he was black from Jump Street. He was, <laughs> he was already listening to it. The fact that we went to multiple Kendrick Lamar concerts and shit like that, and he was like, the way he was looking at the Kendrick Lamar concert, you, you could just tell he was looking at it like a black person was watching it. Not like, <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. I was, we, like I was we, shook. We're, we're listening with our heart. Like, is this different? We ain't listening just with our ears. We're like, no, this motherfucker, Kendrick is like mentally connecting with us. All right. I'm not going to dispute that. Yeah. That, sorry, cool. sorry, white Kendrick fans out there who are going to get all fucking butthurt about this, but I'm sorry. It's a different experience for us. I'll take it. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I, I will accept that. That's fair. I'm some of them. Mean motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thank you, Kaylin, for sharing. I mean, like, we talk a lot about on this show, like, about, like, looking past the binary. Like, that's, we had something that we talked about that two weeks ago. And I think talking to you, I mean, obviously, we're always thinking of things in black and white, but there's so much more to this conversation than just that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, like, I mean, this is so much bigger than just... It's, it's much deeper. I think I definitely, at this point, I feel like I'd see that we probably have you back on at some point because I think there's a second conversation now that we kind of got to like the origin of, of, of you and your upbringing and stuff like that and, and how it can be, uh, how there's so much to a person's story that, that gets left un, unsaid. I think there's another part that I would like to probably discuss, like what it, what what kind of pisses you off or what it feels like to not to not always be included when you when it comes down to being like categorized mm-hmm. other and stuff like that mm-hmm. there because even before the like you know revelation of kind of solidifying your african-american heritage there's there's there was always still like the mixed race right uh and so you had to apply to that to a lot so like that that seemed like a struggle yeah so, definitely and just yeah as i was saying it's just a lot of uh a lot of shit to sort out like mentally and that's why i mentioned confusion because it's just like you know there's a when when you can't you know this and this probably applies to human nature in general just being able to categorize things and put things in a box you know and when you can't do that shit gets a little 
yeah you know a little troublesome but. we push we push back against that all the time as a society particularly mm-hmm. in america and then just in general as a you know people it's like we we need to be able to categorize things in order to feel comfortable but in order to break ourselves from that categorization we have to break from the need to feel comfortable and be comfortable with the uncomfortable yeah and i think i think that concept applies to a lot beyond just like race even yeah personally like you know we talk about just in in casual conversation as roommates talk about like politics and whatnot and it's about like left and right this whole team you know team sport mentality seriously it's so much like that you are this or you are this and the reality is you can be anything in between like these different you know some of us could be Colin Kaepernick just not without a team just drifting off on the sideline because you spoke up too loud right yeah I think that happens a lot I think that happens a lot and then the 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 injustice of colin not having a team to play for is frustrating but then maybe it begs the question like well why do we need teams in the first place when we're all individuals i mean for sports obviously it's a little more complicated but yeah, yeah. but yeah just it's it's so important about being mindful of who you are and where you come from but also how does that relate and how is that benefiting and not being detrimental to others from where they come from and who they and what they represent like I feel like this day and age, there shouldn't like it's a waste of time to try to be racist or a bigot and justify it because I hate to break it to you. Some of these bigot friends I have from Bakersfield and stuff like that, they kids are like half like Latino or half black or something. Like you, you think it's funny now? Wait till a kid gets older. They gonna have some. They gonna go through some bullshit because you you peddling all of that racist bigot shit to them now. But when they get pulled over by a cop, a cop's not gonna pull them over and be like, "Oh wait, I can tell by looking at you, your dad is that racist redneck dude, so you're good." No, he gonna see a nappy headed nigga and he gonna treat you just like he gonna treat my black ass. So. Teach your kids to love people and to and to be mindful of history and understand other cultures because it's it's a blend everywhere. And not to get too sidetracked by that because we're trying to wrap up, but like, don't you think that part of that is them like having a defense mechanism so that it doesn't apply to them, so that it, so that it doesn't apply to their kids? Like racism doesn't apply. It's to them. going to though. What I'm trying to say is, it's going to apply to them, whether, whether you want it to or not. I don't give a fuck how much you think that this, you live in a Disney Channel. It, your kids gonna have to deal with it because yeah. I hate to break it to you, you racist MAGA supporter. Your kids gonna grow up and he gonna find a bomb ass Latina woman and he gonna marry her and he gonna have little Latino kids and their kids gonna be named Antonio and shit. And now you gonna have to put your fucking foot in your mouth because you was talking shit about Mexicans 10, 20 years ago. So cut, so cut that shit out. Cut the biggest shit out because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. You True. might try to get a new job. You might fall in love with somebody from a different race. You might find out your ass is black. So like, it's like <laughs> you need to be very careful about how you mistreat people because we can look up your Twitter and cancel your ass eventually. Don't be racist because you're your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren are probably going to have some color in them. Yes, yes, exactly. Yep. Do it for the grandkids. Do it for the grandkids. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Black Man in the Right World. If you like what you heard, please like, subscribe, or follow our podcast now. For more, check out blackmanrightworld.com and leave us a comment. But if you're more secretive about your shade, then email us at blackmanrightworld at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Oh, why are you saying like that? I wanted to say something else. Say, say it then. <laughs>